Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. through a couple scripture passages and talk about what's at the essence, what's at the heart of the message that's being communicated. And we're kind of following the the framework of Paul's letter to the Romans as we continue into that section of the letter of this epistle that he wrote uh, that's kind of addressing the church of the day. He spent all this time walking through the backstory of the, the Israel Uh, Israel's story, the the story of redemption, the story of beginning, of establishing a new community of God's people, a new relationship and law, and now has walked through why things have had to happen the way that they did through Jesus Christ for the Gentiles, the non-Israelite people, the non-Jewish community to now be a part of what God is after. And God is after a whole new humanity, a whole new creation. And while that will all come to fruition at some point that we look forward to, it's begun now. And so we have this this bit of the letter continuing from last week as we're going to pick up in chapter 12 where we left off and even get into a bit of chapter 13. And then we're going to visit a scene from the Gospels, the Gospel that we call Matthew, where Jesus finally lets the disciples know what his purpose is, where he's headed, and what's going to happen to him. And when we're confronted with the truth, it challenges us because we all have expectations. We all have expectations for our faith. You are here this morning with an expectation. Now, you'll have to sit with what the expectation is, but there's one there, otherwise you wouldn't have come. We all are kind of on a quest in this journey of this Christian faith as a part of this church. There's something we're after. Sometimes what we're after is not what God is after. And that's where we lean upon God's grace because oftentimes God will come to us through the means that we're allowing God to come through us, but God comes in a way we didn't expect. God's like, you come with your expectation, and I'll eventually teach you and show you and help you grow to realize that what you're wanting and expecting is really nothing at all what I'm after for you. Now we know God is after us to give us life, but we may not understand what that means. We may have a grasp according to our own understanding of what life is and could be and should be and what we want, but God has a different understanding And it comes to a point in faith quite often that we are asked to kind of lay down our expectation. We're confronted with a moment where we know what we really want, but we just got the sense that God's after something else. And we're left to the choice to accept or refuse. And on it goes. And that's 
kind of where this faith takes us. So I'm really glad that you're here. No matter your expectation, I'm thrilled that you are here, that you are coming to the, the scripture with us. As we read this, as we hear it, we need to be ready to hear something maybe we aren't expecting. Maybe we've never heard before. Maybe something that's gonna change everything. Wouldn't that be wonderful? As hard as it would be, wouldn't it be wonderful for us to take another step in the direction of what God has in store for our lives? I hope that you approach this moment with anticipation and eagerness. And to do that best, let us enter into a time of prayer. Almighty Lord, I thank you that we are here. I thank you that you have gotten us this far. I thank you that we can look back upon our lives as individuals, our, our life as a church, and we can see how far we've come. We can look back and, and praise you for the blessings that we have received. Whether we recognize them or not, we have been blessed in everything that has gone before in our lives, as you have worked in our lives before we even knew it, as you worked in our life as we now attempt and try and, and really want to give ourselves more to you, you work to bring us along. And I give you thanks and praise that your love, your commitment, your righteousness is a blessing and a grace in our lives. Lord, we seek to grow and continue. And we ask that you work through all that is offered through the scripture, through our hearing, that we may hear you. Lord, speak through me in spite of me and let us hear you in spite of ourselves. And all that we hear and perceive, that we choose to accept and embody, Lord, may it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So let's start with Romans. Now, you can remember from last week, and if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's, it's still available for you, but kind of walk through the, the overarching story of what's happening in Romans. And when we get to this kind of turn at the beginning of chapter 12, where Paul kind of moves into uh, something that's a little more directly impacting the, the, the crowd that he is writing to in Rome. And so we're gonna begin chapter 12, verse nine, and we're gonna read through chapter 13, verse seven. And it reads, Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. 
Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Every person should place themselves under the authority of the government. There isn't any authority unless it comes from God, and the authorities that are there have been put in place by God. So anyone who opposes the authority is standing against what God has established. People who take this kind of stand will get punished. The authorities don't frighten people who are doing the right thing. Rather, they frighten people who are doing wrong. Would you rather not be afraid of authority? Do what's right, and you will receive its approval. It is God's servant given for your benefit. But if you do what's wrong, be afraid, because it doesn't have weapons to enforce the law for nothing. It is God's servant put in place to carry out his punishment on those who do what is wrong. That is why it is necessary to place yourself under the government's authority, not only to avoid God's punishment, but also for the sake of your conscience. You should also pay taxes for the same reason, because the authorities are God's assistants concerned with this very thing. So pay everyone what you owe them. Pay the taxes you owe. Pay the duties you are charged. Give respect to those you should respect, and honor those you should honor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a lot to unpack here. And we could focus on a dozen different things that Paul has mentioned. At the heart of this is Paul's call for us to be courageously authentic. Now, being authentic is by God's understanding of who we are, which Paul has laid out, has already laid out who we are according to God. Our relation as creatures to our creator, all of creation to God as creator. We are children of God, and we are children of no one else, which means we operate by God's standards, God's ways, God's will. And that means that we are sister and brother to anyone who God created. And God created everyone. Amen? And so if God created everyone, we are sister and brother to everyone. And that is at the core of our identity. Now, I know you may be thinking, well, that doesn't apply to people that aren't part of the church. Well, that's not true. That's just simply not true. God created everything and everyone, and all of creation was initiated and comes through the power of God, through the will of God. That doesn't mean that everyone understands this or accepts it. It doesn't mean that everyone considers themselves a child of God. 
therefore following all the will and way of God. They struggle. They, they seek another way. They refuse. They reject. They resist. Were any of us any different at one point? I wasn't. If you were, then I want to hear more from you. <laughs> but I'm going to guess that you all have been at a place before that is different than where you are now. A place that looks very familiar and similar to where you see people around you. And this doesn't mean that we're better. This doesn't mean that we are wiser. This means that we have been graced, that we've been loved, that we have been blessed. And what a life it is to be graced, loved, and blessed. To know, to know that our hope doesn't hang on anything that humans do. Our hope does not lie in who gets elected in November. Our hope does not lie on any written law put in place by people. No, our hope lies in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean there's not going to be evil, and there's an incredible amount of evil happening. There are people, entire groups of people who don't look like me, that have experienced a lifelong battle with racism, who have experienced torment, ridicule, who have experienced pain and suffering and death. That happens. And I'm grateful for those who are standing up in their love and who are speaking out, who are resisting, who are calling for a better way because they know that we're all the same, that we're all family, that no one deserves more than anyone else. And they're not afraid to remind people, to remind people what they should already know, that black lives matter. Not everyone lives as if that's true. And so I think about where we're at and in our own lives, and it may not have to do with the battle against racism, although I hope you are a part of that battle of being anti-racist because that is needed for the sisters and brothers around us who are suffering. And it's been a long battle and it's going to continue to be a long battle. And I know that there are many people that, that see what's happening and maybe it's sporting events not happening because people are boycotting, are not playing. It may be that people are standing in the streets and disrupting society. I know that that can be frustrating if you work downtown in Louisville, right down the street. I know that that brings sadness and can bring fear to some people. I know that there are some people who aren't really a part of making the world a better place and are resorting to violence. And that could be because they have been driven to the edge with pain and suffering. And if any of us have been driven to the edge, many of us would respond in ways that are not peaceful. And then some people are just out to be violent. We know those people too. We know that that's part of us as well because we all lose our temper. We all lose control. And so we hear about these things happening around us and we have to wonder, what does the church have to say, have to do in a time such as this? The world is divided around us. I mean, your world, the literal world, if you want to look at it that way, or Pastor Joe's world, or your world, or your neighbor's world. I mean, we're being pulled apart in so many different ways. We're measuring each other. We're judging each other. We're judging others. 
I've seen post after post on social media of people, it's like throwing mud on the other side. It's trying to outdo someone says something clever and hurtful against one group of people. Maybe it's a people that look like me or don't look like me, or maybe it's a group of people that vote on a particular, uh, particular way about a particular issue, or maybe it's somebody who, rep, who wants a certain person to be president or doesn't want a certain person to be president. And so you have a clever saying or meme, and then someone responds with something more clever, maybe a little more hurtful, and then someone else responds, and, and on and on it goes. And it's like watching my five-year-olds try to outdo each other in anger and ridicule and comment. And while it's kind of funny hearing five-year-olds try to really, you know, hammer, hammer the point home, it's really sad and heartbreaking and frustrating to see it from grown adults, to see it from people I love, to see it from people I respect, to see it from people who agree with me and don't agree with me. And I wonder, have we forgotten who we are? We didn't always think this way. We didn't always respond to disagreement the way that so many people do. We've forgotten who we are. And the church of all people on the planet should know who we are. We should know whose we are. We should look across the aisle or across the street or across the tracks or across the picket line. And we should know that we're looking at a sister and a brother, someone who is sacred, someone who is valued and loved by God, someone who deserves our very best and nothing else. And it's the church that should know this more than anyone else. But we've gotten a little lost too. There's always hope, right? Our hope is not in our actions. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to turn to Matthew, and we're going to read from chapter 16. And Jesus is going to be telling the disciples what he's come to do. And you're going to see that their expectation is not being met. And they immediately lose track of who they are as disciples to follow Jesus and immediately start thinking about what they expect. And they want Jesus to actually conform to them. And, and we do that, don't we? So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 28. It is written. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and legal experts, and that he had to be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter took hold of Jesus and, scolding him, began to correct him. God forbid, Lord, this won't happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stone that could make me stumble. For you are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. Then Jesus said to his disciples, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will find them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? 
For the human one is about to come with the majesty of his father with his angels. And then he will repay each one for what that person has done. I assure you that some standing here won't die before they see the human one coming in his kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus is coming here. He knows the dangers ahead. He knows that he's going to be persecuted, beaten, mocked, killed. But he knows that's why he's here. He knows that's part of the deal. And he's going courageously, being authentic to who he is and what he's come to do and what it's going to cost. And he invites the disciples to follow. We are just simply resistant to this message. We like to try to soften it, to take up your cross. To take up your cross is, it's, it's looking right at the enemy. It's looking at the system that's all around us that is built in a way of corruption, in a way that is crushing people and saying, we, we are children of God and we are going to resist a system that crushes people, which means you're going to die by the state, which is what Jesus did. That's, that's what he did. That's what the cross was. But the whole point is that we follow, and by not conforming to the systems of crushing people, we actually start to discover who we were intended to be initially, who we are deep down. And it's through this giving of ourselves and saying no to ourselves and following in the way of Jesus Christ, no matter what it might cost, that it's actually through that that we start to discover what true life is. Now, Paul is speaking to the church out of this understanding of Jesus Christ. And he says things to them and how to respond to those who resist. He even talks about authority. He mentions the government. Now, the idea that sometimes this gets misused. If the person you wanted to get elected gets elected, well, then you're happy to pull out chapter 13, verse 1 through 7 in Romans and read that and expect everyone to just get in line and, and follow because obviously God put this person in command. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that we people left to our own devices, we struggle. We struggle because we find ways to divide ourselves, to try to rule over each other. And so we need order. And so there are systems of order around us. It's, it's in our nature to desire those systems of order. And so they're, they're built into what God has called people to do. The idea of authorities, they are supposed to be stewards of power and justice. They are put in place so that we can operate with order and structure. That's God-given. Now, most of the structures and most of the orders, most of the authorities, they're broken. They aren't perfect. Some of them are just downright evil in the things that they do. And we are to resist, but to resist in obedience, so to speak. We submit. We do what we're supposed to do to not cause a ruckus, to not bring about charges of, of evil against us. We follow, but then we work in a subversive way. We challenge the status quo. We operate in the framework given to us. 
We don't just rebel against it just for the sake of rebelling against it because that's not fruitful. That's not life-giving. That's not what God wants. Instead, we find ways to work within the system like Jesus did. That doesn't mean that you won't find the good kind of trouble. What it's saying is that Paul is asking us to be good citizens, not good citizens of bad laws, but to be good citizens for the good of all, for the good of all. If we are operating for the good of all, and we're not just resisting and rebelling for no reason, then people are going to see that what we're doing is good. We aren't going to have anything to fear That doesn't mean that bad things won't happen and broken systems won't bring fear upon us. But the whole idea is that we have to be accountable to ourselves as children of God, as sisters and brothers to one another, following God's will and way. And we have to outdo each other. This is where it gets tricky because we do live in a world where people don't follow those rules. They live in that brokenness. And even in a broken system, they feel like they're justified. So Paul is saying things that are really hard to hear. Bless people who harass you, not curse them. Bless them. Why? Because what are you after if you're cursing people? If you're trying to outdo them with a clever post, if you're trying to outdo them by getting the last word and and really trying to drive the point home and, and, and put them in their place, what are you after there exactly? Are you after love? Are you after building people up with encouragement and hope in Jesus Christ? Or are you really mad and you just need to be satisfied? You need to know that you won. You need to shut them down. Because that's the kind of stuff I see from my five-year-olds and they're learning, they're learning, but they get mad, we get mad. People say things that make us mad, that drive us crazy, that seem so wrong because they're not what we wanted to hear. And we're left with a choice. Do we play God, become judge, become jury, and rain down judgment? Or do we step back and remember that in the grand scheme of things, as far as getting even, as far as being in good standing, That's not determined by this world around us. It's not determined by the people around us. It's not determined by the government. It's determined by God. It's determined by God. And so when we go to respond to people who harass us, persecute us, curse us, who is it that we're trying to please? Ourselves or God? Are we operating in a way that shows that the person who's doing these things is our sister and brother? or as our enemy. They may see us as enemy, but we know the truth. In our quietest, wisest, most still and discerning place, we know the truth. And we must act out of that truth. We must be authentic to what we know or what we claim to know. And we must be courageous in our authenticity, even when it hurts. It says, let love be genuine, that we should 
Do it without pretending. Love is not feeling good. That's not what love means. Love is giving of ourselves for the sake of another. It doesn't always feel good. But we can not feel good and still love genuinely because we're after living as God has called us to live, living as we truly are, and to be courageously authentic in a world that needs the message of Jesus Christ. Paul continues on. He tells us to be happy with those who are happy. And there are people around us that are happy. To mourn and cry with those who are mourning and crying. And there are many who are mourning and crying. And we as the church are to act on behalf of God and go to be with them. Why? Because God's with them. They may not know it. Consider everyone as equal. Everyone is equal. And don't think that you're better than anyone else. Associate with people who don't have any status. Because if you're just associating with people who have status, you're just, you're, you're after your own benefit. You're going to people who can give you something. Paul's saying that's not the way the church is supposed to work. That's not the church at her truest, most authentic identity. All this is done in a way that's really hard. But it acknowledges that if there's a wrong to be righted, God will right it. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't work on behalf of justice. But it does mean we don't take revenge. It does mean that we don't assume our role as judge and jury and executioner. It means that we don't curse and respond and like when people do those things to us. It means that we live from the authentic identity of who we are down deep, or hopefully who we are in a way that shines forth to all the world, that people will look at the church, look at you, and know the truth of God working through you because it's beautiful and it's right and it's loving and it looks very different than the world around us. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks your identity to you. I encourage you to spend time in prayer, to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And in that moment where someone pushes your button and you feel the anger surging, that you take a step back and you inspire the Holy Spirit that you may be inspired by the Holy Spirit to remember who you really are, whose you really are, and then that our response will reveal who we are. Continue in your work, friends. Help me continue in mine. Watch the world around you, but do so with a soft heart with a patient spirit, with the goal of loving first, of blessing when you're cursed, of placing yourself below the person next to you because that's what love is. And through this new shaping of life, what feels like giving your life up, giving your pride up, giving everything that you think you should be able to stand for, giving it up, saying no to yourself, you'll find that what you receive is life in a way that goes far beyond what you ever could have expected or imagined. Life that brings with it peace. 
love brings with it eternal life in God. So let us follow the Spirit and walk in the way of Jesus Christ and under all circumstances and at any cost be courageously authentic. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.